welcome to another weekly episode of Limitless Podcast, a place where we bring together global leaders in sales and marketing. My name is Sanjana and I'm the host of Limitless Podcast. Today we are speaking with Dustin Tysik, currently the VP Marketing and Growth at Jossel. He's the co-host of People at Work Podcast and also a member of the Revenue Collective. Hello, Dustin. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much for joining in today. I'm really excited to uh, excited about the conversation that we're going to have. For sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in, you know, digging into some of your background and what led you to be in the position that you are today. Maybe we'll get started with just a brief introduction about your career journey. Sure. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, so I actually, sometimes I say I'm a converted salesman. So I, my background was initially sales. Um, so I worked in educational technology, managing a team that sold um, homework solutions and, and things like that to universities across Canada. Um, so that's how I kind of got started. I quickly realized I was doing marketing things in a sales role. Uh, so this was like 10 years ago. Um, I was doing email blasts through Outlook and Mail Merge and before the marketing automation stuff got a bit more common um, and realized I preferred that. That was really what I liked to do. Um, so at that point, I realized I needed to figure out how to do marketing in a general sense. So uh, I took two paths. I went back into my MBA to get the theory side um, and I started my own little tiny e-commerce business just to get my feet wet and make the mistakes early. Um, and that's how I, how I kind of learned the practical side. And from there, um, post-MBA, I actually went right into Jostle um, and have been here about five years since um, as the company's grown. All right. That's interesting. Um, all right. So let's move on to our topic today, which is, you know, creating a strong personal brand with a strong internal culture. Mm -hmm. So uh, culture is the guiding principle, right? Uh, a great culture will get all employees working on the same company mission. And in some sense, it's the glue that keeps the company together, right? So yep. we as employees make a number of decisions on our own every day. And mm -hmm. a great internal culture is what will guide us and tell us what to do in critical situations. So Dustin, tell me, why do you think internal culture is important? Why do you emphasize that? Yeah, for sure. So I think part of it you really touched on quite well there is it's that overarching kind of mission and vision that keeps people together. Um, there's also the really practical asset, right? Like it influences retention it influences who you can actually hire and the talent you can attract. So there's that very practical aspect as well. Um, and I'm a pretty firm believer that if people are happy in their job, they feel safe, like they have psychological safety, they know they can make mistakes and they care about the product, the company, the, the senior leadership, they're going to work harder. So it kind of ties all that together um, and ultimately res results in happier people, people, more productive work and better results. So it does kind of flow all the way through and tie to that bottom line. Okay. So interesting views on internal culture. Yeah. Uh, so how does a company go about creating a great internal culture? You know, how to get started there? Yeah. I mean, if you're like a hundred people and you're just thinking about it, it's probably too late. Uh, so it's one of those things that starts really early. Um, often with the, the founder or founders, they kind of set the, the framework and you have to be intentional about it. Like when you have 10 people, 15 people, 20 people, and you've all kind of started and, and went through the fire together, it's a bit of a family and culture kind of comes naturally. Um, 
as you start hiring people with outside experience and new people come in, the old people leave, if you aren't intentional, your culture is going to vanish right away and then you're left starting from scratch. Um, so I think the initial job is the, the senior leadership and the CEO, but as you grow, it's every team lead's responsibility to help grow that culture and, and manage their team so that everyone's working together and on the same wavelength. Exactly. So, you know, at Hippo Video, we call culture as, you know, the DNA of the company. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and one of the most important roles a leader has is creating a positive internal culture. Mm -hmm. So building a unique positive culture as a company is one of the best and simplest ways to grow a company's external brand as well. So yeah. as, as you said earlier, is there anyone else in the company who's responsible for owning and driving internal culture apart from CEOs and founders? Yeah, so internally, we do have someone um, who I work closely with, uh, who part of her role is really internal culture champion, essentially. Um, okay. So she's the one who works very, very hard on the, the things we need to do to be transparent and keep our culture going. So all of the events, all of the opportunities for knowledge sharing, all of the lunch and learns, um, Christmas party, all those general things that help the yeah. culture. Um, as well as the more foundational things like here is how our vision and mission has changed over time and grown. Um, mm -hmm. And every new employee actually goes through um, an orientation program where they speak to someone from every department. And mm -hmm. one of those people they speak to is is Bev, who I'm speaking about. And um, she takes them through the whole journey in a very transparent approach on how we got to this point, why this is what we care about and here's what our values are. Um, and I think that really helps people kind of understand and buy in very early. So there's always that one person who's kind of that culture driver. But that being said, um, every single team lead owns their own team's culture. Um, it's very easy in a large company to have one team who's kind of maybe a little toxic uh, and they're, they just feel misaligned, they feel angry, they feel underappreciated, um, and you can pretty quickly spoil a culture from the ground up there. So really any team lead, uh, it's it's their job and their goal to help with that. All right. Fine. So as, as companies get bigger, they tend to limit mm -hmm. employee freedom. Uh, the employees are less and less involved in key decisions and their impact on the business is drowned out. So it, it, it also becomes a part of the culture. So employees go to mm -hmm. work, do what they're told and just help someone else achieve their dream. But this yep. is not what the best employees want, right? They want to have a voice and a meaningful impact on the company and its direction. They know that anyone can win a debate uh, and, and you know, win the most senior person at a company. So mm -hmm. maintaining a strong internal culture is easy when you're small, but as in when you scale, let's say from zero to 100, 500, 5,000 employees, how can yeah. a company maintain the culture throughout? Yeah, so I mean, I've worked in that scenario at large companies where it really is, you have your tiny little job to do, you go and do it and that's it. You don't really feel a connection. You don't, honestly, you don't care as much as maybe you should about the result of the company and the impact you're having. Um, and for me personally, that was incredibly discouraging. So I, I totally get that. Um, and it is an unfortunate thing that comes with growing for sure. So I think one of the ways to counteract that is for the leadership to be incredibly transparent and open about all things in the company as they grow. So if you have a CEO who kind of sits up in this like ivory tower up there, 
locks themselves in their office, doesn't talk to anyone, doesn't share what's going on, how the last board meeting was, um, what the financial results were, if all those things are hidden, um, you really feel like you're not connected to the overall ship that the company's on. Um, so I think that's one part is you need the leadership to to really be o an open book. Um, and I know that's harder in some some industries yeah. and some some regulatory bodies, but in general, I think that's something you should really strive for. Um, and the other one is it all goes back to keeping your culture consistent as you grow. So if you were intentional um, and you hired the right people, not for cultural fit, but kind of for cultural ad where they bring something new, you have the right people in place that your culture should sustain throughout. Um, you still have to put in the hard work. You still have to always be thinking about it. Um, but if, if you have a rotten foundation and it's you hired the wrong people and they're not connected and they don't care, you're going to quickly fall apart as you grow. All right. So tying the uh, internal culture thing to our topic. So what mm -hmm. impact can internal culture have on your company's external brand? For sure. So, I mean, I think we've all seen this on social specifically, but just in general, um, like when was the last time you noticed or cared about a company update on LinkedIn? It's, it's super rare. They don't show up in the feed too much. Um, and there's just a lack of trust for, for brands a lot of the time and what they're talking about because inherently you think, okay, they plan this out. They're trying to sell me a product. There's just a lot of skepticism. Yeah. Um, so increasingly it's become important for like the individual employees and people at a company to get their voice out there, share what they're learned. And often that's the first positive impression. Um, so I'm, I'm sure we've all seen that. Like you discovered yes. a company because someone was sharing excellent content that you related with and you're like, oh, I wonder what they do. And then you discover their company. Um, that person probably isn't doing that because they're explicitly mandated to, although in some cases maybe, um, mm -hmm. but often it's just they're passionate and they care about what they're doing, the company they work at. Um, so the more of those kind of brand advocates you can have internally, it actually results in, in legitimate opportunity and revenue and new connections and new networking opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so yeah, having people have a stake and really care about the company will help them advocate for it. And the, the results there just kind of keep rolling in, I think. Got it. So yeah. as, you're, as you rightly said, uh, you know, individuals at the company who build their personal brand uh, is, is what will, you know, uh, you know, uh, create a strong uh, company brand as well. So mm -hmm. also the power of external brands, especially in B2B is fading. And the brands yeah. that are succeeding are those where individuals at the company have developed their personal brand, right? Yeah, so how can you, yeah, how can you enable your people to be strong brand advocates? Yeah, I, I think part of it is making them feel comfortable and confident that they have knowledge worth sharing. I think that's what holds people back is like almost every single person has something of quality that they could share that would help other people. But we all think um, it's kind of like that imposter syndrome, right? We all think, oh, there's a million people doing marketing. Who cares what I have to say? Um, so getting people to overcome that, it kind of goes back to that psychological safety in the company. Like They have to feel like they're actually contribu contributing. They actually have a voice and they're actually making an impact. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can encourage them to, to share that on social media or at events or on podcasts or, or wherever that is. Um, and the other part of that is 
you can't tie it directly to ROI, right? Like it's not like I spend two grand on a Google ad and I know I'm going to get three grand in revenue. It doesn't work like that. So you need management and leadership who recognizes that and grants you the time to go on LinkedIn and make the post, go reach out to someone to see if you can be on their podcast, go talk to someone about being at a conference. Um, these things that don't really have dollar signs attached to it from a like senior leadership perspective. I think you need a leader who understands that and gives you that time and space. All right. Um, yeah. so, uh, could you, you know, spot us some examples, some examples of companies that is nailing, you know, uh, internal culture or, you know, building personal brand. Yeah. So one, um, one that maybe not as many people have, have heard of and is kind of more my space. Uh, they're actually a recruiting company called uh, something new. So oh. I, I kind of stumbled across three or four of them just because they were posting really good internal comms, HR content on LinkedIn. Um, and very quickly realized that there were six, seven, eight of them who were actively contributing and posting great content. And that's, that's how I discovered them and became aware of them. Okay. Um, and then I, I think the prime example, maybe the ones who kind of kicked this all off was actually Drift. Um, yeah. So they had uh, their, their main marketing person, they had their product managers, they had their salesperson. Um, so then whenever they had a product launch, like my LinkedIn feed was just flooded with Drift people. And that's kind of all I saw and they got the word out. Um, so I think they were the ones who maybe not started it, but really kind of got the ball rolling there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Dustin, just curious about this one before we end. Um, yep. And we asked this question in every podcast. So do you and your team use videos in your marketing activities? What role does it play? Yeah, for sure. We definitely do. Um, we use it all throughout the funnel. So from the top end when we're doing kind of prospecting or, or really any outreach. Um, it's pretty common to do a personalized video. Um, it's a bit of a warmer introduction than just like a cold text email. So we do do that. Um, and then all the way through product videos, ads, tutorials, uh, customer spotlights, we, we try to do most of those things in both video and text. Um, okay. Different people prefer different mediums and I, I think it's up to us to provide both so that they can have what they want. All right. Uh, thanks much for this lovely conversation, Dustin. Um, you sure have given us a lot to think about I'm, and I'm looking forward to learning more from you. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, hopefully yeah. we get to chat again soon. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. See you. Yeah. See you later. Stay tuned to our weekly upcoming episode with more sales and marketing leaders from around the globe. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. Subscribe to get notified when a new episode is out. Also, please leave us a review if you're on Apple. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.